Hello, Happy New Year 2024, and welcome to another episode of Software Should Be Free with myself, Tim Abel, a C-sharp and Rust consultant, it would seem. <clears throat> so my motivation for posting an episode in my irregular schedule is I have completed my Christmas hobby project, um, which I want to tell you a little bit about and a little bit about the story. You can also read about this on the blog if that's more your thing. Timwise.co.uk. There's also an automatic newsletter that goes out off the back of every um, blog post, which is cool, run by Button Down, which I recommend. Um, and I may occasionally post extra things to the uh, newsletter independently, but they haven't been thus far. So the the new thing is called Solution Items Sync SLN for short. This is specifically for the .NET ecosystem. So unless you're along for the story, if you're not a .dot .NET person, then probably of less interest. Um, but nonetheless, um, I thought it might be nice to tell a bit about the story and tell you a bit about the tool. So I've been doing Visual Studio Microsoft things for 20 odd years. I'm not quite sure when it stopped being visual interdev and started being visual studio for me but uh that's uh, lost in the mists of time but uh, certainly i sounds found someone asking about this 15 years ago on stack overflow so it's definitely been a little while um so this is the most minor of most minor problems and if you only do it once there's no way in hell you would like write a program for it um unless you're really off the deep end <laughs> um but I have been facing the same thing for so long I finally got fed up and decided to invest a bit of time in writing a tool so I didn't have to do it again. The thing is in Visual Studio we have what's called a solution and then under that you have what are called projects. Um, they are represented on disk by a .sln file which is an arcane text format. It's not actually a terrible format. Um, it's only got the odd bit that's completely unintelligible, which is mostly because it uses too many GUIDs, uh, globally unique identifiers, as I remember. Um, and then the projects can have various extensions. So if it's a C-chart project, it's a .cs proj, and those are XML-based, um, mostly. It's got a kind of weird plugin system, so it supports all sorts of projects, but that's beyond what's interesting for this thing. The, the thing that's interesting here is all those files that don't live in a particular project. So the projects tend to be like a compiled pile of code or a database or something. They produce a library or an XE or a website or something. But you usually have a bunch of ancillary stuff around it, like a README file, a license file, an editor config, a git ignore file, your workflow files, like your GitHub workflows, YAML files, um, Maybe a docs folder, maybe an octopus deploy folder, or what else might we have? Some editor config, like IDE config stuff. Um, all sorts of like odds and sods that hang around. And if you don't do anything, then from Visual Studio or Rider, JetBrains Rider, that is, which I recommend, incidentally, very good, uh, you can work on the project files and then if you want to see these other files you have to come out or drop into some other tool or um, in Rider there's a show all files which if the solution isn't nested works um, but it's still a bit of a faff and there's all sorts of other noise like the build outputs and stuff that you, you probably aren't interested in um, 
so the solution format has a way of showing these. You can create what's called a solution folder, which you can put projects or anything else in. Um, you can create subfolders. Um, they have got no relation to the file system. Uh, and then you can add real files to them, although they're really what's like a linked file. It's kind of a term in Visual Studio land. So the structure on the solution folders doesn't look necessarily look much like the file system. But if you want a tidy project, you probably want to mimic the file system. But there is no way of saying, oh, this whole set of files and folders, just show that, please. It's, it's not a thing. Um, and it would be nice if they made that possible, where you could just say, yeah, these folders are part of the thing. Just show them, please, whatever's in them. But that does not exist, and they've had 15-plus years, and they still haven't done it, so... I'm not going to wait. Um, so I wrote a command line tool um, to do that. And it turns out that uh, .NET has a .NET tool ecosystem, which is actually kind of good. It's basically a, um, a bit of a hack on the NuGet package system where you add some special tags to your command line csproj file and publish it as a NuGet package, and magically, I don't know exactly how, um, you can run .NET tool as another user, um, and it is able to search NuGet and download and install any of these exes and put them in, by default, uh, your home folder in a .NET slash tools folder, confusingly. Uh, dot being the prefix for a hidden folder in Linux, which they seem to have picked up, which is cool. Um, and then you have to put that on your path if you haven't got it already, which is just a little thing, but you only have to do that once, and there's many tools, so it's well worth doing. Um, so I did this, and I wrote this thing, and now you can go .NET tool install sln items sync with dashes, uh, and boom, you've got a tool. Um, and the way you use this thing, you give it... Uh, an argument for the solution file and then you give it a list of files and folders and it will just go and build the solution item structure uh, which solves an impressively trivial problem um, but something I like having kind of a tidy mind and a need for tidiness in my workspace um, being able to see and edit these files it just it, it just it's a little drag every time I'm trying to do something when like the readme isn't there or I go into the github workflows and there's a file listed which doesn't actually exist because someone moved them around and the file that is there doesn't show or it's just not there at all. Um, so, yeah, that's the thing. Um, go go get it if you're interested in the tidiness. If you know someone who is massively over the top on tidiness, then let them know <laughs> if they're in Visual Studio or Riderland. Um what else is worth sharing? Uh, so I wrote a bit about the journey for getting there on the blog. Um, so part part of this journey that ended up taking up a lot of my Christmas holiday project time um, was in order to write this relatively trivial tool. Uh, I needed a good uh, parsing and writing library or something that could read these slightly cryptic .sln files for me accurately uh, and someone's kindly published SLN parser which seemed to be the best thing out there um, 
which already knew how to understand the format. Uh, I didn't find any bugs in its understanding. I think maybe I just did some of the project type GUID mappings, but otherwise it basically did the job nicely. Um, but it was unable to write it back to string format and file. Um, so that was the first thing I hacked away on rewriting that. So I published SLN Editor as a NuGet package, which is able to do read and write. And I also did a bunch of refactoring on it. So um, it uh, was originally tied, hard-coded to reading files. You, like, you passed, it, passed it a path, and then it would load it up, um, which is not so good for testing. And not really necessary it's kind of out of the scope of a library um so i made it strings in and strings out um and then leave it up to the caller to go read the file because reading files is pretty trivial um and you know extended the test coverage so that i could ship with confidence set up the github pipelines to um build it and publish it and the original author of sln parser contributed uh, github pipeline for pushing the NuGet package straight to NuGet.org, which was amazing and much appreciated and saved me a bunch of head scratching and trial and error, um, which I was then also able to apply to the tool. So that was really nice, lovely collaboration in the open source community. So thank you for that, if you happen to be listening. Um, What else? Yeah, the next thing would be as I've said in the blog, would be first contact with the enemy, as we might say, which is like actually trying to use this thing on a client project. Um, and yeah, that was, as is not unsurprising, <laughs> it, it went well in terms of like I ran it and it worked and I, it updated the solution items and uh, they're clickable and yeah, that was kind of cool. There was a couple of little bugs in terms of, like, it didn't initially remove uh, directories that subdirectories that weren't there anymore because of the way I was looping through. Um, that's relatively minor. Uh, the biggest one was um, it didn't remember anything about the ordering of the file. So when it wrote it back out, the SLN file, because the ordering appears to be pretty arbitrary, the, the way that Visual Studio. Um, and Rider create these files, I think it's probably like they just append. So whatever, they load it up, and then whatever you do to it, it just adds it on the end. Um, so as a result, for a relatively small change to the solution items folder, I got a gigantic red and green patch with most of the file removed and most of the file re-added differently, which was not something that I would even consider putting in front of other developers on a team as a patch. Like, if it was my own personal project, I might think, oh, well, whatever. Um, but if you're collaborating with others, it's uh, not good form to do that kind of thing. Uh, so then I had to figure out how to do ordering, uh, which involved tacking on some line numbers when parsing a file so that it could remember what order it was in. And then sorting by that when writing out again. And if anything new was added, it had a line number of zero. Uh, the default int value, uh, which I replaced with int.max value before sorting, which meant all the new stuff went on the end. And that worked really well. Um, more refactoring, particularly the project stuff, re reading and rendering, 
um, was kind of tricky to follow, so did quite a big change on that. So the the NuGet library is relatively unrecognizable from the original, but I didn't actually have to do the work of like figuring out how to parse it. So still huge value in forking the existing one. Um, and the other thing to mention is test coverage. Um, I've got stronger and stronger in my opinion that if you haven't got good end-to-end test coverage of whatever it is you're creating, it's uh, a short-term not even gain really it's a, a short a short term shortcut which will bite you very very hard very very quickly when you cannot with confidence make changes and i've i've suffered from this in the past um sometimes even if the tests are good and it's just too hard to run like the schema explorer that i created it had quite good test coverage i was pretty confident in it but the setup was so onerous that i haven't really been able to do anything with it since because it's going to take me so long to set it up in order to even do package updates, never mind accept contributions or make small improvements. Um, so the... Oh, and it doesn't run in CI, uh, which it probably could now, but um, I did it before GitHub Actions did everything for free. Um, so with these two, with the Solution Editor library and the Solution Item Sync to command line tool, they both have... Um, end-to-end tests like integration tests so they test like passing command line arguments in um real file systems of files to sync with um and the actual text of the solution files in and out which makes it really easy to see you know what what behavior changes you've got if you if you modify the behavior then you'll just see a diff between the expected solution file text and the actual solution file text which you can drop into a diff tool um i even had it writing out temporary files so that you could just file the, the diff tool up which is kind of cool and vice versa if you want to like implement a feature you can say all right in order for this feature to work i want the solution output to look like this which will fail and then you have to write the code until it does look like that which is it's actually quite a nice way of working so yeah i think that's all i want to say on that other updates around what's going on. Uh, I'm still chipping away uh, on the Rust workshop consultancy idea. Um, so if you do know people involved in Rust, interested in Rust, doing Rust commercially, do send them my way or do send me their way because that's a, an area of interest for me. I continue to run the Reading Rust workshop meetup uh, every month, second Thursday of the month, which is going well. I'm getting consistently... Um, sort of an average of eight or nine people show up and really involved, interested conversations. I'm really enjoying doing that, so that's cool. That's a good fit. Um, the C sharp stuff has been keeping me busy, thankfully, uh, with a, a good client um, who's been good to work with, very enjoyable. Um, it has meant I've had less time to do Rust things, but I am not complaining. Uh, and that was the reason that I was looking at C-sharp solutions again, is because uh, another client, another set of microservices, another set of repos, another set of solution files that I just wanted to be tidy without too much work. Um, so that's ticking over. Not too much I can say about that, particularly other than the usual microservices and cloud and Azure gubbins. Um, still enjoy C-sharp as a thing to do. So yeah, I think I'll call that there. I will give a little plug to my friend David Sheardown, who has been on the show, and say 
go and listen to Just Five Mins as your next podcast if you haven't already subscribed. Uh, he's been shipping episodes on a regular basis and as a tech, it's so hard to keep up with all of the things that are out there. They keep popping up and it can take so much time to go and research what these things are. So just to have these five-ish minute little pastiches of oh here's a thing that you might not have heard of here's kind of why you might care here's a bit about what it does and then you know if you want to go learn more there's links in the show notes and it's cool yeah i highly recommend just five men's podcasters your next one to queue up after this one so thanks for listening i will see you when i decide to post another one um also go subscribe to the rust workshop podcast which i do plan to do a more regular show on if you're interested in Rust things. Till next time, that's been Software Should Be Free with myself, Tim Abel.